Welcome to Investing Insights for the Modern Investor, a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. I cover investment topics including portfolio design, cutting-edge investment strategies, risk management, personal finance, and any topic relevant to creating better long-term investing results. This podcast is a companion to the Three Summit Investment Management quarterly client letter called Summit View. For more information about Three Summit Investment Management and to subscribe to Summit View, please go to our website at www.threesummit.com. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. I am Dan Irvine, the founder and principal of Three Summit Investment Management. Thank you for listening. Hello. We are going to cover a controversial topic in the industry today. In this episode, I am going to discuss why I believe that mutual funds are a bad investment in general. Now, mutual funds are the sacred cow of the largest investment firms. So believe me when I tell you, I do not make any friends among my investing peers by talking about this topic. However, I have always believed that investment decisions should not be driven by the status quo within the industry, but that any investment approach should be able to stand up to the rigors of evidence-based analysis. If you have a contrary view and the evidence to back up your position, I would love to give you equal time on a future episode of this podcast. It is no secret that I am not a fan of mutual funds. I do not like their tax inefficiency, their commonly excessive fees, the lack of intraday liquidity, but most importantly, in the topic of this podcast, I do not like the investment strategy that most mutual funds pursue. The vast majority of mutual funds pursue the investment strategy of stock picking, often referred to as active management, which involves a portfolio manager using their proprietary investment process to pick the best stocks that they believe will outperform their chosen benchmark index. For example, a mutual fund that buys large-cap U.S. stocks will try and outperform a large-cap U.S. stock index like the S&P 500 by picking large-cap U.S. stocks that the portfolio manager believes will increase in price more than the index average. The goal, of course, is to generate additional or excess returns above simply investing in the benchmark index fund, which buys all the stocks in the benchmark index. It's also important to note before we go on with this conversation that my beef is with mutual funds that pursue an active management or stock picking approach. Many mutual funds are index funds or have other special investment purposes, and I'm excluding those from the topics of this discussion today. Also, stock picking is a strategy that is often performed outside of mutual funds where investors pick and buy stocks directly in a brokerage account with similar goals as an actively managed mutual fund. Regardless of the investment vehicle used or the approach taken, I 
look at all manners of stock picking with skepticism. Active management or stock picking is the most popular investment strategy deployed in the investment management industry. So why do I dislike it so much? My answer is straightforward. I do not believe there is any evidence that portfolio managers can consistently outperform by picking stocks. And when they do have periods of outperformance, statistics demonstrate that the outperformance is better explained by luck than skill of the portfolio manager. Believing that a portfolio manager has a unique system or process that can predict which stock will generate the highest returns is the same as believing in market gurus. Plain and simple, I do not believe anyone can predict the price movement of a stock. Having spent years working in investment management firms that manage active stock-picking mutual funds, I will tell you a dirty industry secret. Most mutual fund portfolio managers also do not believe it is possible to predict the price movement of a stock. Here's a great quote on this topic by Ralph Wagner, a well-known mutual fund portfolio manager. The quote begins, For professional investors like myself, a sense of humor is essential. We are very aware that we are competing not only against the market averages, but also against one another. It's an intense rivalry. We are each claiming that the stocks in my fund today will perform better than what you own in your fund. That implies that we think we can predict the future, which is the occupation of charlatans. If you believe you or anyone else has a system that can predict the future of the stock market, the joke is on you. End quote. I do not inform the investment decisions I make on behalf of our clients based solely on my lack of faith in investment gurus or stock picking models, and I'm not asking you to either. My distaste for active management, like all the investment decisions I make, is based on statistical evidence. It is my strongly held belief that investors need to change how they evaluate investment decisions entirely. Active management tries to meet investment objectives by managing future returns. Investors go in search of mutual funds that have the highest recent returns, and then they project those returns forward and they make assumptions about their likely future portfolio returns. This is a strategy doomed for failure, which is the topic of this discussion. Investors should instead make investment decisions by actively managing the risk of making poor investment decisions that could result in lower long-term returns. So simply put, because the future is unknowable, investors should focus on making investments that have the highest probability of superior long-term performance, not on making investments that have recently performed the best. In deciding whether investing in mutual funds and an active management approach is a good investment decision, we need to look at the probability of picking a mutual fund that will outperform, then evaluate the chances that the outperformance will persist over the long term. So what are the odds of picking a winning mutual fund? Morningstar puts out a semi-annual analysis called the Active Passive Barometer 
which measures the success that active mutual funds have had in beating an appropriate benchmark index. For example, the performance of all active mutual funds that invest in large cap US stocks are compared to the composite performance of many US large cap index funds. The percentage of actively managed mutual funds that beat the benchmark of index funds over different time periods can then be evaluated. This comprehensive analysis shows us the odds of producing better performance by investing in actively managed mutual funds versus simply investing in one or more of the appropriate benchmark indexes. Sorry to jump the gun here, but you should know that the results of this analysis have been consistently bad for actively managed mutual funds, and that the trend continued in the latest analysis as of the end of 2018. The analysis covered 4,600 unique actively managed mutual funds that account for $12.8 trillion in assets. Only 38% of the mutual funds survived and outperformed their appropriate benchmark index in 2018. The news for actively managed mutual funds gets worse. The longer the time period measured, the worse the results. Over the past 10 years, ending December 2018, only 24% of actively managed mutual funds beat their appropriate benchmark index over the time period. These results demonstrate that you would have had a 38% chance of picking a winning fund at the beginning of 2018, and a 24% chance of picking a winning fund 10 years ago. These look more like Vegas odds than odds with which investors should make consequential long-term financial decisions. Investors had a 68% chance of earning higher returns by investing in an index fund in 2018 rather than an active mutual fund, and a 76% chance of earning higher returns from investing in an index fund instead of an active mutual fund over the last 10 years. When you cannot predict the future, it helps to evaluate probabilities of making different decisions, especially when the results year after year remain consistent which the active-passive barometer analysis has. Now that we know the odds that any given mutual fund will outperform its appropriate index, we need to know the odds that the outperformance will persist. Most investors are long-term investors, even if they're in retirement. They plan to hold securities in their portfolio for at least 10 years. It's not enough to be invested in an active mutual fund that outperforms a few years. To be better off investing in an active mutual fund instead of an index fund, outperformance must be consistent over multiple time periods. When I evaluate securities to include in three summit investment strategies, one of the most important characteristics I look for is persistence of performance. Persistence of outperformance for active mutual funds is really a measure of luck versus skill. If a portfolio manager can consistently outperform, you might be able to attribute their success to skill versus simply luck as indicated by inconsistent outperformance. The S&P Dow Jones Indices compiles a biannual analysis called the SPIVA Persistence Scorecard, which measures how persistent or consistent 
the performance of the top active mutual funds ranked by performance have been. The analysis takes the top quartile, or top 25%, of actively managed mutual funds ranked by performance in September of 2014 and September of 2016 and calculates the percentage of these top performing mutual funds that are still in the top quartile of performance ranking in September of 2018. What the persistence scorecard analysis shows us is that as of September 2016, there were 550 mutual funds in the top quartile of performance ranking. Out of those 550 top performing mutual funds, only 7% of those funds were still ranked in the top quartile of performance as of September of 2018. And looking back at five consecutive periods, as of September of 2014, 561 mutual funds were in the top quartile performance ranking. As of September of 2018, of those 561 funds, only 1.4% of those mutual funds were still ranked in the top quartile of performance. The results of the persistence scorecard analysis are striking because they demonstrate no evidence that top-ranking actively managed mutual funds can persistently generate top quartile ranking performance. To review those numbers, of the top 25% of actively managed mutual funds in terms of performance, only 7% of the funds remained in the top quartile performance ranking after three consecutive years, and only 1.4% remained in the top quartile performance ranking after five consecutive years. When we began this discussion, I made the statement that I do not believe there is any evidence that actively managed mutual funds can generate persistent outperformance. And when they do, it cannot be explained by skill. Looking at the persistence scorecard results, you may think I've overstated my position, given that 7% of the top quartile funds were still ranked in the top quartile after three consecutive years. However, when you consider the fact that the outperformance could be explained as just random, it appears there's no such thing as portfolio manager skill in the mutual fund universe. If each of the 550 top performing fund portfolio managers as of September 2016 flipped a coin twice in a row representing the next two consecutive years with one side of the coin saying outperform and the reverse side saying underperform, you would expect, given the probabilities of random coin flips, that 25% of the portfolio managers would flip outperform twice in a row. These are the odds of being lucky and remaining in the top quartile over three consecutive years. However, only 7%, not 25%, of the managers that were in the top quartile in September of 2016 remained in the top quartile in September of 2018, showing lower odds than even a random outcome. Okay, we've reviewed some statistics regarding actively managed mutual funds. What does it all mean? What's the bottom line on active mutual fund investing? We've seen that investors would have had a 38% chance of randomly selecting an active 
mutual fund in January of 2018 that would have outperformed an appropriate benchmark index at the end of 2018. We've also seen that if you pick and held an active mutual fund 10 years ago, the odds that that fund would beat its appropriate benchmark index is just 24%. Many investors argue that these odds can be overcome by analyzing active mutual funds' past performance to identify the managers with the greatest skill and then investing in that manager's fund. However, what the persistence scorecard analysis shows us is that picking active mutual funds with the best recent performance is an even worse strategy than just randomly selecting an active mutual fund and hoping to outperform. Had you picked a top quartile mutual fund in September of 2016, there's only a 7% chance that that fund will still be a top performing fund in September of 2018. As the holding period gets longer, the odds get worse. Had you selected a top quartile mutual fund in September of 2014, there was only a 1.4% chance that the fund you selected would still be a top quartile performing fund in September of 2018. Most investors, even sophisticated investors, pick active mutual funds exclusively based on recent past performance, usually the trailing three and five year peer performance ranking. They do this believing that performance is the best indicator of a portfolio manager's skill, which seems logical. The persistent scorecard analysis demonstrates just how ineffective this strategy is for investors. For the active funds in the top quartile performance ranking in September of 2016, almost 20% of those funds were in the bottom quartile of performance ranking by September of 2018. Of the funds in the bottom quartile of performance ranking in September of 2016, more than 12% were in the top quartile of performance ranking in September of 2018. Similar results for each biannual persistent scorecard analysis indicates that these outcomes are most likely not a fluke but persistent over time. In fact, mutual fund performance looks like a random walk over time, and picking top-performing managers has yielded lower odds of success than simply flipping a coin. Given these odds, it's hard to make an argument for stock picking in active mutual funds as a prudent investment strategy if your objective is to invest with the highest probability of generating the best possible returns. After what we've seen, a logical question to ask would be why are active mutual funds so popular given the statistics we've reviewed? Actively managed mutual funds continue to manage more assets than passive index funds. As of 831 of 2018, active mutual funds, according to Morningstar, had $12.8 trillion under management. Index funds, on the other hand, had $7.2 trillion under management. Why do so many investors try to beat the perilous odds of investing in active mutual funds when all the evidence points to the fact that their investment decisions are most likely going to result in inferior short-term and long-term returns. 
Sadly, I believe the primary reason is that conflicts of interest are rampant in the investment management industry. A large percentage of investment advisors are not fiduciaries. Non-fiduciary advisors are not required to act solely in their client's best interests or clearly disclose their conflicts of interest. This comes as a great surprise to many investors who have trusted an investment advisor only to later find out that they are not a fiduciary and often have direct conflicts of interest. Advisors who are not bound by the fiduciary standard frequently enter into fee-sharing agreements with mutual fund providers. This means that advisors earn additional fees that are usually minimally disclosed and are paid to them by the mutual fund companies for investing their clients' assets in the mutual fund company's mutual funds. This type of arrangement is called a fee-sharing agreement and can be very lucrative for advisors and for that reason may cause advisors to ignore all the analysis we've reviewed. Fee-sharing agreements are a serious conflict of interest because they incentivize advisors to make investment decisions on behalf of their clients based not on the quality or merits of an investment, but instead on the total amount of fees they will earn from a client's investment account. The fact that a large percentage of advisors are not fiduciaries, it begins to make sense why active mutual funds remain so popular, and it's not because they are good investments. As we go forward together and face the unknown future of the financial markets, each of us are best served by making investment decisions that we estimate to have the highest probability of superior outcomes. If you hold actively managed mutual funds, it's a good idea to review and evaluate why you are making those investments. And if there are higher probability investments that might serve you better over the long term. Thank you for joining me for this quarter's podcast. If you have comments or would like to discuss any of the topics that we cover today in greater detail, please do not hesitate to contact me directly. Your feedback is very important to me, and I love hearing from the listeners of this podcast. I look forward to speaking with you all again next quarter.